0: Good morning and welcome to Today in Putnam County, hosted by Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter. The show that takes a look at the events and what's happening all around Putnam County, as well as interviews with local, community, and business leaders. And now, sharing his insights and experience, here's Today in Putnam County with County Mayor Randy Porter. Thanks, Philip Gibbons, and thank you for joining us today. Hope you're having a great weekend. This week's show is spotlighting health care specifically the largest health care provider in Putnam County, which is Coolville Regional Medical Center. And as my guest today... I'm thrilled to have Buffy Key. She's the new CEO for Cooper Regional. Good morning, Buffy.
1: Good morning, Randy. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for being on the show. Been wanting to do this for a while, but I remember what it was like when I got elected to office. It, what they say, drinking out of a fire hose. That's or something right. Like That's that. right. So, I knew you've been crazy busy. So, I want to let you kind of slow down a little bit, hopefully, sure. and uh, and be able to get your feet good and wet, and us be able to talk about uh, your new position and and all the things going on at uh, at Cooper Regional. So, you got. What one two what about four months in?
1: Yes.
0: Uh, so you know, so how's things going?
1: Yeah, it's been a great four months. It's passed by, and probably about a weekend is what it's felt like in the last four months. But it's been great. We've got a lot going on the medical center, as you know. Of course, right now we're everybody's just gearing up for the end of the year, and we're trying to get people's surgeries in where they need them, and, and all that minute, good stuff. Last minute, yeah, we're all we'll last get in minute right before yeah. that
0: deductible goes. That's right. That's
1: right. <laughs> that, that, that's a real thing. It is. Let it's me a tell big you. Yes. Yeah, so So we try to accommodate that every way we can.
0: Well, good. you started out in Pinterest County. You're a Pinterest County girl, mm-hmm, right? I am. Got a lot of family that uh, live up in Pinterest County. Great place up there. And out of all the time that I've known you and all the places and things I know that you had been, I did not know that you served in the military.
1: I did. I was in the Army and Army National Guard. And actually from 1988 until 1994. And I'm, I can't believe I'm saying those dates on <laughs> on air so everybody can understand how old I am. But as you know, that was right in the middle of desert storm. Yeah. And, and so I had been in three years at the time when all that began and it was an interesting time obviously but um it was a very exciting time and honestly the the military was one of those things that i mean i really enjoyed i really enjoyed it um and i think the only reason why i probably i I got out is i really had joined the military to try to help to pay for medical school if i decided to do that and then i decided not to go to that route but military was just a great experience fantastic experience uh, thank you it feels like a lifetime ago though i'll tell
0: you Uh, i understand well thank you for your service thank you uh, that that is great so didn't you decide you'd want to go into the medical field right Mm -hmm. and uh east was it east tennessee yep
1: started out at etsu i got a degree there and also a degree from vanderbilt and uh grad school at vanderbilt also
0: so you were you were more into the lab side yes right laboratory side yes yes and, and you you had several jobs where you did that even one at vanderbilt where you're over yes. a bunch of places so yep. Yep. did you think that that was going to be Buffy's life or or did Yeah, you have I loved it. I'm going to tell
1: you I love laboratory medicine, medical technology, medical lab science, pathology. I love it. And I think if I'd went to medical school that's probably what I ended up doing would would, would have been pathology, but yeah, I absolutely loved it. Every day was as a new day. You know, it's kind of somebody asked me, so what do they what do they what what do they do in the lab? And I said, well, pretty much anything that comes in or out of your body, we'll test it for <laughs> you, you know, or off of your body right. for that matter. Yeah. We can test and so it was a great experience I I actually worked up here in the laboratory at Cookville General Hospital but I started out at Vanderbilt University Medical Center and started working there in hematology I think and then microbiology and then ended up being the administrator there for
0: for several years so, of course, you were vainy What brought you back to Coopal Race?
1: It's home. It's home. All of my family's here. It's interesting. When I graduated high school, and I'm not going to share that year um, with oh, anyone, come on. uh, 1983. <laughs> 1983, I think we just had our 40th reunion, which I unfortunately had to miss, but graduated in 1983, and I, you know, went off to ETSU, didn't even know a place called Johnson City, Tennessee existed, and, and fell in love with it over there, and then ended up doing my clinical work for medical technology at Vanderbilt and loved it there, and, and I don't think I ever thought about coming back to Cookville, but I think it was just one of those moments where, wow, I wonder I wonder if they've got any laboratory jobs at Cookville General and that was 1994. And um, called Wayne Allen. I don't know if you remember you Wayne. You know Wayne just, from years he's, uh, ago. He's uh, retired his now. I've
0: worked for me at nine one one. Yes, she did. Years, yes,
1: know? she did. Great, great people. And uh, Wayne hired me to work third shift there, and I absolutely loved it. And it was just like, oh wow, this is you're not in traffic, you're not in all the hustle bustle, and not to mention all of my family are here. So that was the first time I think since I know that I had graduated high school that we were all in the same town at the same time, and we've all just stayed. So we love though.
0: Came back home. Yeah, uh, that's great. We're talking with Buffy Key. She is the new CEO for Coolville Regional Medical Center, and today's show is Spotlight in Healthcare, and Coolville Regional being the largest healthcare provider in Putnam County, but also the largest employer in Putnam County. We always, I guess most people, they always think government or the school system, mm-hmm. or they'll name off a bunch of businesses that are the largest provider, but Coolville Regional, did I see something at Rotary where you gave a presentation, mm-hmm. we're up about twenty-five or 2,600 employees?
1: Yeah, um, where I think right at this moment, we're around 2,540 employees when I started there in 1994 we had probably no more than 600 and that was including physicians but we have around 2500 and in every discipline we do everything there from um, except you know major trauma and, and transplant services so yeah we've got we've got a lot of people there so we, we, we almost have our own city within a city which I love
0: it is it's really grown since of course we, we went back to couple general days yes you know, yes uh, yes uh I started with the uh, with e m s back in uh, in eighty with the county and uh, I think back how small the hospital was back then mm-hmm. and and everything to what it 's grown to today I, yep. I mean it's great i don 't think anyone could have planned or projected that back then It yeah. would do what it 's done it's it's been great so it's almost like everything was going good. 17, 18, 19, all these new jobs were coming into our community. Everybody's growing. Everybody's having a good time. And I think back to Jay Coot winning The Voice, you know, and our Mm -hmm. community's all supportive of that. And we have Jay Coot at The Hoop. You know, we feel Tennessee Tech's The Hooper Evelyn and having a big concert and everything's just going great. And then... March hits of 2020. And-
1: March. And March, you can obviously, the tornado. Yeah. Uh, March the 5th. My mother, actually, 83 years old, she was 81 at the time, I think, or 80, she um, lost her home in that uh, tornado. Terrible and then within time. a week after the cleanup, we come back to our first COVID patient.
0: I will never forget, we are. We're, we're out of the search and rescue, and we're in recovery phase. And, and I said about a week later, and, and but we were still deep into the tornado oh, yeah. cleanup and, and, and everything. And, and Lisa Bumblow, my health department director, called me and said, Randy, I need to talk to you. And I said, Lisa, I'm really busy with this tornado. Can it wait? <laughs> no, this needs to happen now. And I yeah. thought, oh, no, they found some more victims or something with the tornado. And yeah. she came in, and, and she started telling me about it. We had our first COVID patient. And I thought... Lord, this can't be happening right I know, now. I know. And it really went downhill
1: from there, didn't it? It really did. You know, I, I look back on our first patient, and we just we didn't know what we didn't know. And what was so bad, I think, about the pandemic for health care is for months we didn't know what we didn't yeah. know. We were seeking guidance from um, everybody from the World Health Care Organization to the CDC to National Institutes of Health, and nobody knew what they didn't know. They were all over the map. They were all looking. over the map. Uh, regulations and guidelines changed daily. The one thing that didn't change was they said stay away from each other yeah and you know what what was so bad about that for us for at the hospital obviously we were what they called i guess essential workers i never missed a day during that pandemic i mean and you know a lot of people went home to work remote but you know we were even sequestered within our four walls we couldn't even meet each other at meetings we couldn't even be in the room i think at one point we had a regulation no more than five people in one room at one time and they had to be six feet apart and they had to be masked and all of that it was a very detrimental time i mean not just because of the obvious reasons for the the disease and the pandemic, but you know, a lot of people lost their lives, a lot of families lost loved ones and we lost a lot of ourselves, honestly, with we healthcare did, yeah. because I think it was the first time I know in my career, I've been in healthcare now thirty two years that we couldn't fix it. Yeah. We couldn't fix it. Yeah. You know, usually you get a disease, we learn about it, we learn how to fix it, we fix it or do the best that we can, you know, however the good Lord wants us to. Right. And I think that we couldn't, we just couldn't fix it. And at the same time, we're deteriorating. We're deteriorating over time, our relationships with each other, our relationships with the community. But we had to, by legal regulation, keep people out of our hospital. Right. And I always tell this, It's it still breaks my heart to think about hospitals across the country who did not let people loved ones in at their dying moments. We did that. We did let people in for those moments, but everything else was restricted, and it was terrible. Terrible. I mean, people were having to speak to their loved ones in ICU on an iPad. I mean, what kind of life is that? And it was, I think, as detrimental as it was to the patients and their families, which was horrific, and it hurts us to this day, our caregivers, our nurses, our physicians, our laboratory people, radiology people, everybody, EVS, Food Nutrition Services, they saw that pain, and they lived it. And they saw more people die sometimes in one week than they'll see in their entire career. And it was heartbreaking, it you was. know. And again, we couldn't fix it.
0: And we still got the scars from it.
1: We still do. We're, yep. still, we're still recovering from that.
0: We're going to continue that conversation. We've got to take a quick break. You're listening to today in Putnam County. I'm your host, County Mayor Randy Porter. This week's show is spotlighting health care, Cooper Regional Hospital being our largest health care provider. My guest this week is Buffy Keys. She's the new CEO for Cooper Regional. We'll talk more with her. Stay with us. To today in Putnam County, hosted by Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter. Hey, welcome back to today in Putnam County. I'm your host, County Mayor Randy Porter. This week's show, we're spotlighting health care. Specifically, our largest health care provider in Putnam County, and that is Cooper Regional Medical Center. And I'm thrilled to have as my guest this week, Miss Buffy Key. She's the new CEO of Cooper Regional. Buffy, we were just talking in the first segment about COVID and how, I mean, why well, it destroyed our community almost in mm-hmm. our world. I guess sure. when you start looking at it, but it really affected healthcare probably yeah. more than anyone. And, and I remember watching on a day to day basis because we were trying to put out info to the community. And one day you're saying one thing and they change it and you're saying something else. But what I kept up with was those stats.
1: Mm-hmm. And watching,
0: yes. I mean, yep. y'all were maxed out, right? Hunting for places for beds and stuff to put right. people and everything. Ever been through anything else like that in your life?
1: Never. Never. In my entire life of 32 years of health care or any time, I've never seen anything so up in the air, if you will, and how it changed, not sometimes just by the day, but by the hour in our regulations and what we were asked to do and how we were asked to treat and those kinds of things. But you were talking about the number of COVID patients at one point during the Delta surge out of a 227 bed facility. I think we had over 115 COVID patients in that hospital. I remember that. And we had taken the uh, recovery area and made it into a makeshift ICU and I'll never forget one of the many times that I was down there and going through and it looked like a mash hospital yeah every patient in there and it still gives me chill bumps to talk about it every patient in there was in the prone position with their face laying down they were all on ventilators and you know we just prayed and did everything we could to alleviate their symptoms and and everything else it was terrible it was but you know I think one of the worst things about all of that was you know we got to where like I said we were isolated from each other so much unless we were actually given direct patient care but it was interesting because we knew everything that was going on. We knew what we could and couldn't do and what we were trying to do. And but one of the things that came out about that once they, quote unquote, said the pandemic was over, if you will, a company in the country called Revive did a poll. And 65 percent of Americans today no longer trust health care.
0: That's terrible, isn't it? It is
1: horrific. But when you think about it, I'm thinking if I'm sitting in their seat, because I was sitting in a different seat. Yeah. If I was sitting in their seat, I can't blame them. I mean, you think about it. We were healthcare heroes in 2020 because it came about, and we were like, okay, we got Tornado, this, we got this.
0: Over a hundred victims, y'all hit it head on. That's right. Everything it was, went great. It, That's
1: exactly right. We did the best we could, and and obviously we did have some bad outcomes. But yeah. you know, it's there's some things you can control in healthcare, and some things you can't. But then the Delta surge hit, and that was a much more vir- a virulent disease at that time, and and a lot more deaths, and people were like what are you doing what are you doing we had i remember coming out of the hospital or looking out the window one morning and we had nurses that uh, people were picketing them as they walked out to their car you know and it was just because not so, understanding and it was just heartbreaking
0: it was a lack of information wasn't it I, i'm not blaming anyone sure but, but from the cdc and the world yeah. health organization yeah. and the federal government all the way down we never been through this we didn't know what it was you didn't know what was one day treatments next right. day were not treatments right. and, and everything it was that information And I know I saw people, friends of mine, Mm -hmm. that uh, were saying horrible things to to people that they would never say before. Ever. Because everyone was so upset and afraid of, right. of what was happening, right. but it, it really it really hurt health care, the people's mentality and everything. And I know you lost a lot of people. We lost people at EMS and everything. Right. Before. Have we come out of that enough, or are, are, are we...
1: We're starting to, Randy. We are starting to. We've got work to do. I got to tell you, if, if there's a healthcare corporation in the country that cannot come out of this and learn lessons, then they're not doing their job. Right? We have to learn the lesson. The number one is we've got to let people in to be with their family, yeah. obviously. I'll never let that happen again. I yeah. don't care what the regulations say. Yeah. And number two, we have to be able to communicate, we have to be able to understand what it is we're doing and we have to be able to communicate that with the people and the families. You know, when you isolate people from their families, of course they're gonna mistrust some of that because they're like, Well what are they doing? I would be the same way if I wasn't there with my family yeah, member. Absolutely. I would question everything that was going on. But I think more than anything, we lost over a thousand healthcare workers during the pandemic. And honestly, I had no idea it was that number until we did a recent study of that at the medical center and over a thousand. We're now back up to where we are. We've got the lowest turnover rate of RNs and LPNs than we've ever had. Yeah, we've we saw that
0: at, at, at EMS too. Yep. Uh, that it's it's getting better. It's getting better. That folks are I don't know if folks are coming back or we're getting more new folks that are getting right, it,
1: which is just a blessing all the way around Absolutely. for all of us. But a lot of things that happen too is people stop going to the doctors. Yes. So people with chronic illnesses, you know, they didn't want to be in a healthcare setting where they're going to get COVID and all this stuff, and so they put things off. And now we're seeing some of those chronically ill patients that haven't been to the doctor in a couple of years, and they're coming into the emergency room. I mean, let's talk about the emergency room. The emergency room is our front door. It is. I think it's probably, it's a huge focus for us, and it's a focus for us because we have wonderful people that work in there. But I got to tell you, it's the front door for a lot of people. And what the emergency room saw was during COVID, they didn't have as many people coming in. Right. And now everybody's coming in and uh, keeping up with that capacity and workload. So what are we doing? We're making sure that we have enough providers we're making sure we have the great staff that we have and more than anything we're making sure that everybody remembers what everybody's been through we know they've been through it but they've got to remember all these patients coming through have been through that as well. And remember that compassion that all healthcare workers are born with and blessed with. Yeah, absolutely. And we've got to remember, listen, they don't want to wait. They've waited for three years. we got to get them up and get them where they're going. One of our biggest issues, though, is we're working on a lot of that. We have a lot of people coming to our emergency room, Randy, that wouldn't typically come to an emergency <laughs> room, but maybe they don't have insurance or they can't afford to go to an urgent care. We totally understand. We welcome those people. We want them there. Problem is, though, if I come in and need three stitches and you're coming in ahead of me and having chest pain, and heart attack symptoms, you're going to be seen first. And I'm sitting here bleeding, and right. that's really all I'm thinking about. And I totally understand it. So what we want to do is we want to take care of those people just as fast and quick as that heart attack patient. And by doing that, we're trying to prioritize those people in a different way too, so that we can get them seen quicker. You know, in that realm as well. So well, we're working on that, and we're improving every day.
0: Your emergency care—you just opening the uh, the hours, you increased yes. the hours of yes. emergency yes. care. You just announced that we had a ribbon cutting the yep. this past week, and uh, that is going to help hugely, I think, yes. to have something open at 11 o'clock at night, because when do we get sick? We'll mess around all day long, won't we? At work, or then we'll go home, and I don't feel good, and then it gets worse, and it gets as worse. As the night goes
1: it, on, you get worse and worse. Have you ever noticed that? You always feel yeah, worse at, at night. night. You can live through it during the day oh, yeah. as long as the sun's out, but boy, once that sun goes
0: if down. we could figure <laughs> out a cure for that about that sundown thing. <laughs> I think so, too. <laughs> we'd be good. Hey, we're talking with Buffy Keyes. She is the CEO for Cooper Regional Medical Center. Today's show is spotlighting healthcare and specific. Specifically Cookville regional. We got to take a break though. We got a lot more to talk about in the next segment. Stay with us. You're listening to today in Putnam County. I'm your host, County Mayor Randy Now back to Today in Putnam County, hosted by Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter. Welcome back to Today in Putnam County. I'm your host, County Mayor Randy Porter. Hope you're having a great weekend. Our show this week is spotlighting health care, specifically Kupel cool Regional Medical Center. And I'm honored to have as my guest the new CEO for Kupel cool Regional, Ms. Buffy Key. Buffy, we've been talking about a lot of the issues and problems and things from back pre-COVID, post-COVID and everything. But in this last segment, I want to make sure that we catch a lot of the new projects you've got going on the hospital. We were over the other day and I was amazed at the new building project at the hospital. I'm thinking, can you kind of bring us up to date sure. with some of those? Sure,
1: sure. We have some existing space at the hospital right now, 4 West and 5 West. And I don't know if the listeners remember, but right before COVID, we had a hospital within a hospital on 5 West location. We had Tinbrook, Tennessee, which was a mental health inpatient facility. And they left right around when COVID began. And so with all mental health regulations, they had to completely change that space. And so they had taken out everything, any sort of medical gas lines or anything like that. And so we have taken that space, and we're renovating that and adding 20 new patient rooms, wow. six new dialysis unit bays, which we're thrilled to death about, and then four west, will be having 20 extra rooms down there, too. So Man,
0: 40 new beds we're adding
1: 40 new day. beds, yes, and we're absolutely thrilled to death. And so we started that project actually back in July, but we just had the ribbon cutting because we just now got to where you could actually put a human in there and it'd be yeah. safe. <laughs> For us to get a picture. So it's um, uh, we're excited about that. We're constantly growing. We know we need more. You know, and we have two different types of, well, several different types of demographics in Cookville. But, you know, our largest demographic is Medicare, Medicaid, and, and patients like that. But then we also have the younger population yeah. that's moving into Cookville, which yeah. we're thrilled about. We have to provide space for them, too. So those 40 extra beds will help get patients out of that emergency room, get them up into beds. Because right now, people, when they have to be admitted, they're waiting in that emergency room to get a bed to upstairs. A bed. And so we're looking at that. We're also, we've talked about urgent care a little bit as far as that goes, being open till 11 o'clock, 7 days a week, 11 p.m. That be a,
0: a huge help. To exactly. And a help to the merch room, too. It,
1: that's exactly right. Yeah. And that's one reason why we did it, too, is to alleviate those people from having to, to go there. But also, our Medicaid, 10-care population, hopefully by July 1, we'll be offering 10-care. 10 10-care 10 patients can also go to urgent care, wow, that'd be great. and which will be huge because we want to take care of anybody and everybody. And these are our patients. These are our people, and we love all of them, so we want to be able to take care of them in the best way possible.
0: Well, and it's you're not just taking care of cool and County. Yeah, fourteen counties. And you yeah. got a lot of counties. Yeah. You got Clay and Jackson sure. and Pickett yeah. and Van Dammeer and all these counties don't even have a hospital. That's right. And they have to come. We here. see about
1: three hundred and seventy thousand people a year. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, of those 14 counties. And, you know, being from Fentress County, you know, there for several years, they didn't have anything up there except, you know, their primary care physician's offices, which were great. They now have that freestanding UT Medical Center, uh, ER up there, which we were, you know, promoted as much as we could to try to help them get that. And and we're there for them as well. from the nearest hospital. Absolutely. Absolutely. So also something that we're excited about right now that we just opened in November the 1st is our Endocrinology and Diabetes Education Center. We had to close that this past January, and it was heartbreaking for all of us but we lost our provider who went back home to take care of ailing family members and we supported her in doing that but we couldn't find another endocrinologist so we have been working all year our medical staff has to try to get endocrinologists here and we now have two uh, fantastic young physicians Dr. Valapu and Dr. Pitampali and and they're seeing patients now we also have our diabetes education center there we have a clinical pharmacist in that area to talk to you about your insulin and meds and not just about diabetes but obviously all of your endocrinology issues
0: I had a lot of friends. And even we have a family member that was having to travel somewhere else because we didn't have. I
1: did, too. I had I had a niece that was having to travel, I think, to Sumner County, you know, know, during that time. So hopefully we can get her back in there and keep it local. And, you know, like I said, that's part of our mission is building healthier communities. And and Randy, we we need to grow. You know, we're full. We're absolutely at capacity like every hospital in the country is right now. And so that's our next mission. That's our next big uh, thing is talking about some of those growth points. But, you know, Tennessee Heart, is growing like crazy. Isn't that great? Um, they've broken ground over there, and we're excited about addition. that for those great cardiologists, and it's just a fantastic service. And so,
0: <laughs> the cardiology, okay, because Case and Brother and all those guys Uh were good friends of mine. But I I go back into the 90s when we didn't have any cardiologists. We were averaging every day, seven days a week at EMS taking seven cardiac patients to St. Thomas.
1: That's amazing. Seven 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 a
0: day, every day. Now, of course, one day you may take 10, the next day four, but it averaged out at seven. And I, I remember talking to the administrator at the hospital and said, we need some cardiologists here. Oh, Randy, we'll never have cardiologists here. We're too small (laughs) of a hospital. I said, if we don't do something I said, we're gonna have to double or triple the the EMS service and uh, and there were some people that actually fought that did coming here, but that's one of the best things that ever happened. It is. And and I think about where Cooper Regional has went since then. With all the growth and everything you've seen, it's just amazing. Right. I do not know how you keep up with it on a day-to-day basis, though.
1: You know, I don't know. It's just part of me, I think. Honestly, it's um, I don't think I know anything else. You're a workaholic, <laughs> aren't you? Well, no. No. I just don't sleep a lot, but you <laughs> don't either, Randy. I know that for a fact. You well, and I talked about that calling. during did the
0: tornado. Hey, wait for we uh, well, there's not enough time to sleep. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> I got time to sleep some other time. Yeah, <laughs> not later right on. now. Yeah, later on.
0: <laughs> so one thing we talked about the other day, you were at Rotary the other day and did a great presentation that, that I really enjoyed. But one thing we're seeing is a change in the mentality of workers. But you're really seeing it in the, in with the physicians. Oh, sure. The old Dr. Francis's and, and Jones and all those, that they had their own practice. They made their own rounds. They did everything. These new doctors come in and don't want that, do they?
1: Yeah, it's been a complete paradigm shift. You know, we grew up and what we thought physicians, you know, they, they work 100 hours a day and, and they're constantly going. They've got a private practice. New physicians and new fellows coming out of fellowship and residency training, you know, that's just not their culture anymore. I mean, not that they don't work 100 hours a day, but the fact is they don't want to get out of school already in debt, maybe for medical school loans, residency loans, and then get out of school and buy into a private practice. And they're like, wait a minute, I just want to work for the hospital. And that's the shift nationwide. You will see that across the country. And what we call is those physicians. I mean, they're obviously still independent practitioners, but um, we call those physicians employed, yeah. if you will. And all that means basically is that is that we pay you know, their overhead and, and, and all of that good stuff and try to help them in every way that we can. And and so that way, the physician is no longer involved with worrying about that private practice. And at the same time, if we have physicians that come to town that want to do that private practice, you know, we try to help them set that up as well. So we want them to do what's best for them. But yeah, the newer generation, I'm telling you, it's a totally different paradigm of what I remember being in elementary school, you know, thinking, oh, I'm going to doc so So-and-so and, you know, and all of that. And they just don't do that anymore. Yeah,
0: it's it's amazing how the the new generations are changing yeah. in their yeah. attitude and we were I think we were all about work and and you know work kind of came first and family and everything else kind of fell behind that the new generation is totally different uh, they're all about their time yes and and how much time am I getting off it's not necessarily about the pay all the time that's right it's about all those other that's things. right
1: we had a, a physician recruit come one time and and one of the first questions that that he or she asked was this is great this is a great location this will be a great place for my family to grow my family and how many weeks of vacation do I get every year and I thought well I don't know let me check on that for you well and so then I I, I knew from then on that's got to be the first question I can answer yeah is yeah. that work-life balance it, it, yeah and it's important I encourage it all right absolutely
0: I, I tell my granddaughter you know back when I was raising my daughter we were working two jobs sometimes and trying to make ends meeting and everything and mm-hmm. and uh, didn't get to spend as much time but now I'm at a different place than right. I can, so maybe these
1: folks have got the right idea. I, don't I, th- know, I think they've got it figured out. I hope they I, do, and I hope that we had something to do with that, and just showing them, hey, this is what maybe you, you can do it. a little different. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you can do a little differently. So good for them. I, I applaud them, and we're here for them. So well,
0: great, Buffy. I've really enjoyed having you on the show this Thank morning. you, Randy. I wish you the best in your job, folks. Let me tell you, I've known Buffy for a long time. She is the real deal, and I think she's going to do a great job at Cooper Regional. Just give her a chance. She's brand new into this position. I know you got a lot of issues going on, growth spurts, uh, growing pains, all the things, but we've got a great hospital, and I have full faith that she's going to make us all proud going forward, going to keep it going and make it even better than what it is. Buffy, thank you. I thank appreciate you. Thank you, Randy. It means a You're lot. you prayers always. Thank you. Hey, guys, that's our show for this week. I hope you join us every weekend for today in Putnam County on all the Zimmer family radio stations. I'm County Mayor Randy Porter. Hope you have a great rest of your week and may God continue to bless Putnam County. You've been listening to Today in Putnam County, hosted by Putnam County Mayor Randy Porter.